We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It is game day. We've got Lakers versus Jazz tonight, 7 o'clock Pacific time tip. You can come join us over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Watch the game with us. Hang out with us during the game. It is a lot of fun. We have a lot to talk about on today's show. We do have a mailbag segment to get into at the end of the show, but we need to talk about the injury report. We need to talk about the latest on the Zach Levine front and how likely it is that the Lakers can ultimately trade for him. We've got uh, the game to break down a little bit. Lakers versus Jazz. We'll preview that. We need to talk about Jared Vanderbilt and what happens when he comes back as well. Plenty of things to dive into, but before we start on all of that, Quick reminder, great way to help out the podcast. Those of you listening to the audio version of the show, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Takes you like 15 seconds. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and review, we certainly would appreciate that. And then over on the YouTube side, the YouTube channel, we are, again, I am, it blows my mind, but we are getting closer and closer to half a million subscribers on the YouTube channel. If you wouldn't mind helping us out, get in there, hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to like this video as well and check out the YouTube membership program that we've got. Click that join button. You can see the cool perks that we're offering our channel members. In fact, our channel members contributed to this show. They helped pick one of the topics for this show today. So again, check that out. I think it's pretty cool. Joining me today is Sean Davis. Sean, how you doing? Doing all right. And one of the other reasons why you should consider joining the Lakers Haitian uh, membership program or what, what are we calling it? membership club yeah. program? Club program. Okay. We never settled on anything in particular, but either, sure. either way. You guys also get some fun uh, weekly. Is it? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say fun, you know, membership exclusive uh, live streams. We did our first one this past week yep. had a ton of fun brought a bunch of people up on stage to talk with us so yeah those are, are a ton of fun and yeah it's fun to be a, a member for lakers nation that's right we're also doing our weekly preview uh right after we record this show we're going to look ahead at all the games for the week and what we're looking for from the lakers so that's fun that goes out to our all-star tier but all right let's get into it and uh, i guess let's just start here because this is the most buzzworthy thing zach levine you know, we saw that incident where he, you know, 
yanked his arm away from the Bulls PR staff member. And it seems like the Bulls are more willing to trade Zach Levine than ever before. Maybe Zach Levine's more le- more willing to leave Chicago than any before ever before. And the Bulls, well, they've not been great this year. So uh, Mark Stein addressed this rumor, and I mentioned this on the, the YouTube channel, but essentially the Lakers are kind of in wait and see mode right now. It's not like they're all in on Zach Levine. In fact, right now the Lakers internally, according to Mark Stein, uh, are looking to see what happens when Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent comes back. And we'll talk a little more about Vando in just a bit. But I think the Lakers are in wait and see mode out of necessity. I also think it's the right thing to do, but it's out of necessity. They can't realistically trade for Zach Levine until December 15th at the earliest. And even then, probably January 15th is the most likely because January 15th is when they can trade Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. December 15th is when everybody else becomes trade eligible. I'm talking D'Angelo Russell, you know, all the guys they signed over the summer with the exception of Jared Vanderbilt become trade eligible. So the Lakers right now in wait and see, but Sean, again, the Lakers hoping that Vando and Gabe Vincent will give them the boost that they need. I'm skeptical of that, and I'm I, I'm a little wary of putting too much on Vando returning as being like the thing that propels this team to where we kind of were hoping they would be so far this season. I I know they don't really have a choice, but is this is this the right path here for the Lakers? Like, should there be optimism that okay, hey, we get Gabe Vincent and Vando back, and everything's going to be fine? Uh, am I the only one that has her PTSD triggered from uh, just wait until Trevor Ariza gets back healthy? <laughs> right now, I mean, these guys are both they're completely different. I mean, well, look, if Gabe Vincent shoots seven percent from three for the season, then he's not, but but Jared Vanderbilt, I mean, definitely better, but still, I think there is that history, right? Of overhyping the return of a player, and I don't like, I think these guys make a difference. How much of a difference? I don't, it's certainly not a Zach Levine size difference. Yeah, I think for one, I, I do think this is the right approach to just see what this team is, you know, with the continuity coming back that was already one of the best teams in the NBA last season, post-trade deadline with with these guys. And you're let's see how you can do with the with the a, a start to a season now with these guys and a training camp with these guys, a full off season, stuff like that. And I mean, Vando, you couldn't really trade anyway, right? Because of yeah. how late his extension was, but the other guys, you can't trade. Was it Austin and Rui? You can't trade until January 15th, if I recall correctly. Right. And then D'Lo and the other guys aren't available to be traded until December 15th. So like Trevor said, it's kind of out of necessity, right? But you have to be, and this is where why it's so dangerous to pull the trigger on a Zach Levine deal. This isn't the Russell Westbrook deal from the sense of, in a good and in a bad way, right? You know, good news is Zach Levine's a better player, one, than Russell Westbrook. He's simply a better fit than Russell Westbrook as well. He has way more off-screen, I mean, excuse me, I was going to get to that, but off-ball upside just in terms of his shooting ability as a spot-up guy as a off-screen guy, which, you know, weirdly, like, just imagine, like, the Lakers' double drag series, but with Zach Levine as a guard setting it, and you get a re-screen for him, and he hits a three off of that, right? Mm-hmm. Which we tried a ton for Malik Beasley last season. Zach Levine actually can do that, and he's going to get a ton of, you know, attention, which can even 
you know, help clear up some more driving lanes from Bra for Braun and the guys. So I, I think there is upside there, right? But, you know, the problem is, one, he's locked up. He's only in the second year of a massive five-year contract extension. He has recent injury concerns, at least in terms of his knees and things like that. Now, granted, last season, kudos to him. He played 77 games, right? He only missed five games mm -hmm. last season. But are you ready to, quite frankly, as a franchise, put your faith and two guys long term, because that's what you're doing, right? You're basically saying, okay, cool, post LeBron, we're building around Zach Levine and Anthony Davis, right? Yeah. Just based off of contracts. Yeah, exactly. The money says that. The money says that. So, okay, cool. Are we willing to do that for two guys that are inconsistent at best in terms of their availability, right? And also, I just don't think Zach Levine is the second suit, the second star, if you would, to build a NBA contender with a championship contender with he's fine he's a third piece to a championship team which he would be on this team but let's say Braun for whatever reason leaves up to this year okay cool we had three more years of Zach Levine on this team I don't know how I feel about that personally I don't think he's making third guy money and I think that's and maybe no, uh in all because we've talked problem. about Zach Levine quite a bit you know in the last week or so and maybe that's something that I haven't directly landed on yet but building out a team in the future, if LeBron, now if you trade for him right now, he's the third guy. It's LeBron, it's AD, it's Zach Levine. And then you deal with the roster building ramifications. You're having to trade D'Lo, you're having to trade Rui, whatever the pieces have to go in order to get him. And then you talk about losing some depth and all that. But, right. but long term, he's paid like a second guy. He's paid to be the second best player on on the team that's probably what he projects but he's not if you have a 1a guy at his pay right then you're thrilled right but he's paid as though he's the second guy and i i think if he is the second guy are you winning a championship i'm very skeptical that that's the case particularly if the first guy is anthony davis i think there is some some synergy between their skill sets ad sure. and, and zach levine but anthony davis isn't that true offensive 1a i don't know that zach levine is either i think he's better as a complementary offensive player who has the ability to go nuclear but you'd rather have him as the third guy in the mix somewhere again he would be right now but into the future he would be the second guy and i don't know if that's if that's workable moving forward yeah i agree i, I had another point that's going to bring up but, but it, it just escaped my mind for some tragic reason um but yeah i mean I'm sure that's profound i'm I'm sure Zach's fun. I, I do like Zach Levine, but oh, there you go. See, I found it. I, I, I've said this in the past, right? That in every bad deal, every time D'Lo's a bad game, everybody says trade D'Lo, right? And D'Lo's mm -hmm. money is more than likely going to be needed to get a deal with Zach Levine done, unless you're going to wait all the way until January 15th, mm -hmm. which is probably going to happen anyway. But unless you wait for that, you know, deadline, if you will, to be removed and, you know, you're able to trade d I mean, excuse me, Austin, then you probably have to trade d And the point I've made it for a long time now is that, at least since the start of the season, I'm not trading D'Angelo Russell unless I'm getting a playmaker back, right? Yeah. And the reason being is because Austin's had a down year in terms of playmaking. Bronze, he's still a really, really good playmaker, yeah. right? But you don't want Braun. I mean, a lot of people are saying, just put Braun at the point. Okay, cool. But we don't want 82 games or, okay, maybe more realistically, 65 games of LeBron James at point guard, 
right? I think that's one of the benefits of the Lakers going more five out, which is that for them at least has been more guard oriented because D'Lo gets more reps. Austin is getting a lot more reps. So when it is fourth quarter and it's okay, Braun, here you go, go in as the game. Braun isn't gassed and on, you know, his gas take is on E. No, his the gas tank is halfway full and you still have a two hour drive left. And he's going to get you there. Right. I, I hope that was a serviceable analogy and not a that works. Shawnism. But uh, Zach Levine doesn't solve that problem. And LeBron James is going to be on E for his gas tank by the end of the third quarter. And yeah, you know, hypothetically, I guess Zach Levine could help you win games, but I don't know, man. I just think there are more things to be worried about with a potential Zach Levine deal than there are more positive things to be worried about personally. He gives you a scoring burst and there have been moments certainly where the Lakers have have looked like they've lacked scoring. Um, sometimes the offense kind of gets bogged down and you just need somebody who can go and create a shot and put the ball in the basket and Zach Levine can certainly do that. Um, I, I I do wonder though, is there enough of a, of is there enough playmaking here with Zach Levine? No. I don't, you know, he's a, it's not like he's terrible. Like he does pick up assists for the bulls. He's a high usage guy, but I mean, we're talking 3.2 assists. So it's not like he doesn't get any, but he gets some. Um, so I, that's, that's a concern. Like I look at this team right now as situated, and this is not factoring in trading D'Lo away to get a Zach Levine. D'Lo is a better playmaker than Zach Levine is, but I look at this team right now and kind of feel like they're short one playmaker. And yeah. and even and you might say, well, that's because Gabe Vincent is hurt. No, even with Gabe mm-hmm. Vincent back, I don't think he's that. That's not really his natural role. Like he can do it a little bit, but that's not necessarily his thing, right? That's not that's not exactly what he's what he's best at, right? right. So, um, yeah, like that's that's something that that you'd have to be a little bit concerned about here with this Lakers team is that if you're going to get something that's going to really move the needle, I think you need somebody who can make plays at the very least a little bit for for other people, like at a, at a decent level. And I don't think that's Zach Levine. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think there's enough, like you said, there's enough reason to be wary about making this kind of move. And there's reason for the Lakers to say, you know what? Look, even if we could do it right now, we're going to wait. We're going to see how this looks. We're going to see what we've got here. We're going to really get a sense of what we have and what we don't have because by January, we're going to have a much better idea of exactly what it is that we need because the other piece to this, just to put a bow on it, if the Lakers do stack up some of these contracts that they've signed, D'Lo, Rui, Reeves, later in the future, Van Do, you know, all these guys that are that are making those very nice movable contracts in that 10 to 20 million range, you stack up some of those guys, well, you get to do that once. Right? You get to do that once. And if you make a mistake and you get the wrong guy and you wind up right back in, in Russell Westbrook hell, that's it. right? That's a wrap. The Lakers wound up, I think, pushing something, forcing something that didn't quite work with the Russell Westbrook front. And they just said, well, forget it. It, it doesn't work on paper, but we're going to figure it out. Let's just Let's just do it. Let's take all these contracts. Let's put them together and let's go get Russell Westbrook. You can't do that again. You can't. You've got to make sure that the guy is the right guy. And I'm not 100% that Zach Levine is the right guy. He's a good player. And if you told me he was making $25 million, let's go. Let's go. But it, DeMar DeRozan money? Let's yeah, right. Get it done. Right. And that's not even fair. That's not fair to Zach. He deserves more than that. But at this price tag, I'm 
I'm more cautious than anything else if I'm the Lakers. Yep. All right. I agree. Let's get into the Lakers injury report, which thankfully I don't have much to say. <laughs> it's it's very similar to what we've seen. So it's Anthony Davis is probable for tonight's game against the Jazz. It is LeBron James is questionable. Folks, LeBron's going to show up as questionable probably for the rest of the season. Um, it's just it's the way it goes. And this is a tournament game. So I'd have to imagine LeBron is going to play in this one. Now they do have a back to back. They're going to play the Mavs uh, tomorrow night. So does LeBron play both games? Yeah, we'll 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 get we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Jalen Huchifino is also questionable for this game. He was available last game. He did not play, but he was available. I would also imagine, unless there's a blowout, he probably won't play. Jared Vanderbilt is out. So that's where things are at currently for tonight's game, Lakers versus Jazz. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about this game. Let's just dive into the game itself, and then we'll talk about Jared Vanderbilt's return and what that could look like. So... So Lakers versus Jazz tonight. Again, game uh, it goes at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Um, this is going to be a tournament game. The Lakers have talked several times now about the money, about the money mattering to them, the $500,000 prize. So I'm expecting to see the team locked in. I'm expecting to see them fired up and, and ready to go. And I think this is a winnable game. However, the Jazz are also a team that, despite the fact that I'm not expecting them to be a playoff team, They've got enough guys on this team that can get hot and go crazy on you that if you don't approach this game with the right mentality, you can certainly get beat. And even if you do approach it with the right mentality, if the wrong guys get hot, they can beat you. So this is, I think, a dangerous game, but nonetheless, a very winnable game. And I'll tell you what, Sean, the guy that I'm already, he hasn't even started yet, and I'm already annoyed with him. It's it's Kelly Olenek. There we go. All right. He hasn't even started hitting shots. Uh, pull the curtain aside. <laughs> we did an earlier take, and I said Kelly Oubre like five times because I continued to switch those names up. But Kelly Olenek, my goodness. I'm going to tell him already. Knock it off. He hasn't even started yet, but I just know he's going to come out and shoot like five for seven from three or something because he always tends to do this against the Lakers, and it's really annoying. So Kelly Olenek, don't even start. Don't do it. Don't have one of those bizarre heater games from three. Kelly Olenek, just don't. John, what do you see in, in this matchup? Because I do think Olenek, Clarkson, you, you've got some guys here that can can get it going on offense. Yeah. Um, I, I have three keys, personally. I know you do your keys on Twitter, uh -huh. um, keys to the game. But we talked about this on the post-post game show following the Rockets win, which is a great way to plug it. Great time to plug it, rather. After Lakers Nation Live for every, mostly every Lakers game, stick around. Don't go anywhere. We do Lakers Nation post-post game show where we dive into the advanced analytics X's and O's from that night's game. And oftentimes, we look at look ahead at the next game. And the three things I think we came up with were, number one, you got to freaking box out and, you know, be animals on the defensive glass uh -huh. more so in this game than you know some others maybe like the rockets even this is the best offensive rebounding team in the nba oh, by a so lot i think did you see what they did last game no but 27 I, offensive rebounds against the suns that's not 27 right. i think they're but, at like 35 and a half percent in terms of offensive rebound percentage that was is, 
that was in double overtime, but still, you're right. Their their offensive rebounding, like, my goodness, the Lakers could be in trouble on the glass for sure. Yeah, thirty five and a half percent. The gap between them and the team in tenth, the tenth best team, is at thirty point seven percent. By the way, which is absolutely crazy. So that five point gap is the same between number ten in the NBA and number twenty six. Right. So the Jazz are like their offensive rebounding like crazy right now. They're overall in the league second in terms of rebounding percentage. So you got to really be on the glass and not mixing, not missing box out assignments. I don't know where they're at often, like in terms of offensive rebounds per game, but anything under 10 offensive rebounds a lot, I think, for you. You're happy. An absolute win. You just can't give this team second chance points because that leads to the second key for this team in particular. And it is you freaking have to defend the three point line in this game to where I, I know like the Lakers kind of philosophy is, you know, we're going to be, you know, the best rim protecting team on the planet. Right. We're going to protect the rim mm-hmm. at all costs. And we're more likely to give up an open three than an open rim attempt. Right. Which. In almost every single other game, I am not, I am, you know, standing toe to toe with you unless you have to make an adjustment mid game. This is maybe one of very few games where I'm saying, eh, no, run these dudes off the freaking three point line, man. They are not good rim finishers. I think as a team, they're at 54% at the rim, if I recall, per synergy, which is not good at all. That's, especially that's awful. Team. That's awful, right? So, that's what I'm really looking for, man. They were, I think, 40% on catch and shoot threes last time, if I recall correctly. So you got to defend the three point line. And if that means you can you know, like commit extra resources to run them off, and instead of sending them into Anthony Davis, maybe you're sending into LeBron or Ruby at the rim, even I'm fine with that. But we just cannot allow this team to shoot open threes. Uh, I do have the data pulled up now. They're at 40.6% on catch and shoot threes for the season, 44.4% on open catch and shoot threes on the season. They've mm-hmm. shot a ton of them. 63.5% of all their jumpers are catch and shoot shots, which is in terms of uh in terms of how many shot attempts per game from three they take. That is 28.2 catch and shoot threes a game, which is fifth in the NBA. So run these dudes off the freaking three-point line. Send them to the rim, send them into even some of your lesser known or like less great, if you will, you know, rim protectors. And then finally, you got to like this has to be a really good off ball chasing game. Like Austin, this could be a yep. big game for him off ball. This could be a big game for Cam in terms of his chasing ability. Can Torian not be a turnstile as an off ball chaser? Where I'm really, really concerned about that matchup. This is actually, this would be a really good game for Gabe. I'm not going to lie. This is actually a really good game for Max Christie. I'm also not going to lie. They're actually, we haven't talked about him a ton, but there is ever a game where he makes sense in. This is the one. They are second in the NBA in terms of off-screen usage per game in terms of scoring possessions, like stagger stuff, stagger away screen, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that's a big method of their offense. So you do those three things at a fairly high level along with, you know, I didn't even touch on the Lakers offense, but the Jazz aren't a good defensive team. So you you do those three things well, you should honestly kind of dominate, but they're really good at those three things. So it's going to be well, a tough no, game. no Walker Kessler for, for the Utah Jazz. So that 
that you know that doesn't hurt right like like you said you should dominate inside anthony davis should absolutely dominate in the paint in this one this is a game where anthony davis should score a ton of points now the jazz i'm sure are going to junk things up and do everything they can to deny the pass from getting to ad so this will be good practice for the lakers to see if they have fixed that they certainly hadn't against the sacramento kings the other night who play quite a bit smaller uh the jazz are going to play small a lot in this one so the lakers are going to have to make sure that they are uh getting the ball into the paint, attacking the rim. Not a lot of shot blocking out there with Markkanen and Collins and, you know, Olenek and those guys. But, but like you said, they do a really nice job crashing the offensive glass. And that actually has me a little bit worried about this game. So, Sean, right now, the Lakers are dead last in the NBA in second chance points given up per game. Dead last. The Jazz right. are second in the NBA in second chance points scored per game that's a recipe for disaster i think back to the playoffs of last year when we were taking on the warriors or lakers warriors and warriors fans were were bitching and moaning about the <laughs> lakers getting so many free throw attempts you had the team that was the best in the nba at getting to the free throw line in the lakers going up against the team that fouled more than anybody else in the golden state warriors it was. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for the Lakers to parade to the free throw line when you've got the team that can't stop anybody without fouling them playing the team that everybody fouls. Yeah, we've got the inverse here now. We've got the Lakers being the team that can't keep anybody off the offensive glass or keep him, keep people from uh, giving up second chance points, and the team that's the best at getting those. The Jazz average eighteen second chance points per game, eighteen and change. Um, they they may have. 25 second chance points maybe more maybe 30 like that's that's going to be a big big problem unless we see this lakers team drastically change their abilities on the glass and really focus there yeah yeah absolutely um that's also goes back to the conversation that you know nba twitter was having after the rockets game where oh Lakers shot 28 free throws or whatever to the Rockets 10. Uh, yeah, the Lakers are once again the best team in the NBA in terms of defending by that fouling by a lot in terms of, like their opponent free throw rate. And then they're they were third entering the game in the NBA in terms of free throw rate, their own free throw rate. So it went up to second after that game. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the Lakers style. Again, just get it into the paint. They I think they have 58 points to the paint against the Rockets. The Jazz are not really going to zone you. They've only had 68 possessions of zone defense the entire season compared to over a 1,000 uh, zone possessions. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, man, half-court man possessions for the Lakers. And if they do go zone, I mean, they're second technically in terms of usage. But, again, it's five possessions a game. They're not like the Heat where the Heat are legitimately running 10% of their half-court defense in a zone, right? So, mm -hmm. or in the half-court at least. So, I'm not, I mean, I guess I, I you probably, you, you got to scout it a little bit, right, is for Utah because they are second in the NBA in terms of usage. They're not that good at it, though. So, again, I'm not really worried about this defense, especially in the half-court because, weirdly enough, this is a really, really good transition defense in terms of efficiency for them and what they give up in transition, right? But, 
you know, once it gets to the half court, I, I just don't think this Jazz team has enough ways to stop the Lakers half court offense. So this yeah. should be a, a get right game for y'all. And it should be a high scoring game, I would imagine, with the volume of threes that Utah shoots. Again, they are they rank 10th in the NBA in three point percentage. They rank eighth in three-pointers attempted per game, so they're going to get up a lot of threes. An outlier shooting performance from them or a bad defensive performance on the perimeter for the Lakers could spell doom, and you got to watch out for those uh, kick-out threes off offensive rebounds. It also means a lot of long bounces when a team shoots this many threes, and that's how you can get a lot of extra offensive rebounds. So this is where the Lakers' guards are going to have to be really prepared uh, for this. And uh, part of it, too, is going to be, like you said, the Jazz, their defense, not good. They're going to throw some things at you, try to junk things up as much as you can. The Lakers offense has got to be on point, got to be getting shots at the rim all night, because if they miss, Utah is a team that's going to come out and they're going to start jacking up threes on the fly. Yep, absolutely. All right. So tonight, uh, the Lakers still favored to win this one. But again, there's uh, there's some reason for concern with it. And the Lakers are going to have to take care of business in this, especially the offensive glass. And we'll see what they can do there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jared Vanderbilt because the injury report comes out and I get a lot of Lakers fans that are rolling their eyes and saying, where's, where's Vando? Why is Jared Vanderbilt still out? Well, Jared Vanderbilt, he has to ramp up takes time. He's been off of his leg for uh, however long, we have weeks now, over a month, that he's been trying to heal, heal his heel, this left heel bursitis that he's been dealing with. And so Jared Vanderbilt is, when he gets back, though, this is what our all-stars in uh, for our YouTube channel membership program wanted to hear about. We asked them, what topic do you want to hear about? They said, when Jared Vanderbilt gets back, and again, I'm hoping it happens soon. I don't think he's making it back in time for the Mavs game. I wish he would, but it's not going to happen. But maybe they've got a, they've got a couple of days off here for Thanksgiving, so maybe that would be a good opportunity for him to come back um, after that. So Jared Vanderbilt, whenever he gets back in action, whether it's like late this week, whether it's next next week, whenever, reincorporating him into this team is going to be something that's interesting. Now that Cam Reddish is essentially doing a Jared Vanderbilt impression, he's we're even calling him the Cam DeLorean at this point. Some of us are. Anyway. But yes, we can. With yes, we can. With with Cam Reddish doing what he's doing, what do the Lakers do with Vando? Like obviously you play him, but can you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? Do you, what rotations are you trying to put him with? What do you do with Jared Vanderbilt? I think still the most likely outcome is that they go back to him being in the starting lineup at the start. Whether or not that's next to Cam Reddish or not, I think I don't think it is. But whether or not it is or not, I think they do go back to Jared Vanderbilt in the starting five. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Vando is an all-world defender. Maybe not. Vando is a really, really good defender, right? Sure. You pair him next to Anthony Davis. I think. Like we've talked about all year, the Lakers are a way better switching team and a hedging team than they are a drop coverage team, which I think would be the reason why you maybe don't start Vando is if you're like, yeah, we're going to be a heavy drop team. You know, we'll bring you off the bench. And in those minutes, we are off the bench. We'll switch more or whatever. Right. And um, I, I think you throw them back in there. I think the only way you don't throw them back in the starting lineup is Ruby goes on a heater over these next few games or whatever, he's averaged like 18 points. You're like, okay, yeah. And I, I'm just throwing out a random number with the 18, but 
yeah, okay, this dude just absolutely needs to start, right? And Ruiz, I think, has made, like, marginal defensive improvements as well, I think, this season from Rui. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a way you talk yourself into that. Cam Reddish goes on a shooting blitz over these next few games as well. So there's there's small little outcomes where you can say, okay, maybe they just keep it how it is. But I think ultimately you're going to run into the problem where you're not small necessarily with your current starting five, mm-hmm. but you have way more upside to be a little bit bigger, right? And there's some lineup data out now. The lineups of D'Lo and Torian Prince on the floor have not performed well absolutely at all. Now, granted, part of the reason is because Torian Prince can't, you know, hit water if the if the basket was an ocean. Is that how that saying goes? Um, <laughs> wait, 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 time out. He couldn't hit he water if he, fell, if he fell out of a boat? Yeah, I think I just said he can't hit water if the basket was an ocean. You did. And we've got a, we've got a new Seanism. <laughs> how would the basket be an ocean? If the basket was floating in the ocean, maybe, or something like that. If the basket was an ocean. It's your turn. We're we're getting like, we're getting metaphorical and stuff like that. You know, the basket, the basket is an ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's calm and shots go in smoothly. Other times a guy puts on a Lakers jersey and it becomes choppy and rough and nobody can hit a three. I'm so ashamed of myself. Go ahead. <laughs> it's on you. I don't even care what I was going to say. It's on you. I'm still stuck on the baskets and ocean. <laughs> so <laughs> Torian Prince can't hit a shot. Sure. It, um, oh my gosh. That's bad. That is bad. So, because I, I don't even know what I was trying to say because the other ones I like, I had a comeback because I knew what I wanted. I like, <laughs> so the car reloads are one. I knew what I was going with. I don't know what I just. <laughs> you knew where you were trying to land with the other ones. This one, this one, you had no idea. You were no circling, idea. but you couldn't even see the runway <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> so you were. Jeez. Oh my gosh! All right, before we go too far astray here, <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, I guess I, I think where you were ultimately going was was the shooting. Right. Yes. With that being a concern with the with the starting lineup. Torian Prince has not shot well in November, though. And that's gotten a lot of people to just say, well, Torian Prince isn't shooting the ball anyway. So what's the point? Like if you're going to have Torian Prince not shoot well or Jared Vanderbilt not shoot well, I'd rather have Jared Vanderbilt because he does more other things that aren't shooting than Torian Prince does. And on one hand, that's fair. But I still think Torian Prince's shot is going to come back around like it's. It's going. I think he's just in a slump right now, but he's got a long career of shooting the ball well. So I'm a little bit wary of the Cam and Vando combo. I don't know if you do that, and I don't, and I also don't feel comfortable pulling Cam from the starting lineup. But but you're saying maybe you pull Cam and you just do Torian and uh, and Vando. Is that is that ultimately where you'd land? I I think so. Yeah, I I think that. I think that's where I land. I think that's where I land personally. And then, okay. then my 10-man rotation is D'Lo, Torian, still, uh, LeBron, Vando, AD. And then off the bench, it's Gabe, Austin, Cam, Rui, Christian Wood. The thing is, though, I still think there is a legitimate role for the guys that are heavily impacted by Vando's returns. Like Vando, Rui, 
Cam Reddish. Uh, I mean, Gabe Vincent's return even. Who, Torian who loses Prince, the I'm, most minutes because of Vando coming? Out of those six dudes I mentioned, probably like if Torian legitimately can't shoot, which I still believe he can, or like if he continues yeah. to shoot this poorly, I think the answer is easily Torian. But I mean, Jax is not going to get any minutes now, which I'm honestly fine with. When I mean, how many minutes did he has he been playing? It's not a lot. Yeah, I, I was going to say I think I think Jackson Hayes loses loses minutes. He ha- he he had a good game a couple of games ago, and did some you know some highlight stuff. But I'd have to imagine, and people say, well, they need a center. Yeah, but like Jackson isn't he's not I like this I- crazy physical rebounder though. I think I uh, yeah five minutes. I think I just go small. I go small before I go to Jackson Hayes, which is actually another point I was going to make. I think if Christian Wood also keeps like kind of underperforming, mm-hmm. I think the way you also steal minutes is you just go super freaky big and roll out lineups where it's Rui, Cam, and Vando somehow on the floor next to each other. So like I don't know, maybe it's. This is very hypothetical, and I'm just trying to prove a point with the switchiness or whatever. But mm-hmm. Gabe or D'Lo for shooting, maybe. Cam, Vando, Braun, Rui. And you literally just are the longest team in the NBA NBA in terms of like length, right? Now, I'm and not saying... And, get, and just switch everything. Just switch everything, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not saying Christian Wood is next in the rotation here, but I am saying... That is a option now. I think it's on the table. I think the Lakers have gone to this before, just based off of last season, right? So I think that's definitely something they'll explore with. So I think if I had to pick anybody that's going to miss minutes the most is Jackson A's. His, he's going to be practically cut from the rotation. Torian, if he keeps shooting this poorly. And then I think the third most likely would be a guy like a Christian Wood which honestly makes sense why those are the three guys that wouldn't make like lose minutes just based off of financially in terms of your long-term investments as well. And Christian Wood kind of quietly in a bit of a slump too. Shot yeah. 30% from three in November, and I'm rounding up to get there. There's been a lot of focus on Torian and him not shooting well from three in November. Christian Wood not shooting well from deep. Uh, hasn't hit a three. Uh, wow. Preseason? Christian Wood? Is <laughs> it preseason? No, no, but he hasn't hit a three since November, since November 10th. Jeez. That was six. That was six games ago heading into the, the jazz game. That was against Phoenix. He went one for one from three. He is oh for 11 since then from deep. Sheesh. Yeah, that's 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 quite a bit of a slump for Christian Wood. Uh, just 5.7 points in 21.2 minutes for him. And he's shooting 38 percent from the field. A lot of the, you know, his three-point drought here is, is certainly part of that. But yeah, uh, he's in a bit of a slump as well. So there's a number of guys who could see minutes eaten into, particularly if Vando is giving you, we don't expect him to be a major scoring threat, but if he's giving you everything else, the great defense, he's giving you rebounding, he's giving you steals and things of, of that nature, there's a number of guys who actually could lose minutes when uh, when Vando comes back. Yeah. Can't wait for Vando to get back, man. And I'm the Vando hater, apparently. <laughs> that that's what the internet tells you. I haven't beaten those allegations because remember, Trevor, I called him a bad screen navigator. So I'm a hater. Oh, that's right. That's right. How dare you? How dare you? All right. All right. So kind of a, a fun thing here. Before we get into our um our mailbag, 
is I, I wanted to do kind of a little that I'll preface this by saying I'm not a sneakerhead at all. Far, far from it. Like people say, oh, did you get the LeBron eights or whatever? And I'm, I, I don't know. I have no idea what anybody's talking about with, with any of that. I pay no attention to shoes or anything like that. Bro, I, I just, is crazy. Is it? Is that, See, what? I'm just making it like I have no idea. Okay. I have, okay. I, I literally don't know. I, I just I do podcast. not follow the shoe the shoe game at all. It's 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 all foreign to me. So again, I'm prefacing this by saying that. Uh, but we're gonna do a little a little unboxing, a little unboxing here. So podcast listeners just kind of trust us as we're describing this. Oh, Sean's brought out a shoe. Do you have any? Do you know what this is? I'm sure you know what this is. You've heard of this. If you told me the name, I'd probably heard, but it's not like on site. I know what shoe is what. Again, I pay zero attention to it. Vapor Maxes. Okay, I've heard of Vapor Max, but I don't. It's not like I would recognize it on site. It's like if you told me one of the one of the top five players in the NHL, I'd say okay, I've heard that guy's name. If you pointed him out and said who's that, I would have no idea. Right? Like I think that's I know, like Connor McDavid. Is that his name? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Probably so, Wait, is uh, Sidney Crosby still playing? Good question. <laughs> I, I, I would assume so. <laughs> that was, that's, the, that's one of the other names I know. So anyway, that's that's my level of, of knowledge of the shoe game. So again, that's that's where we're coming from from here. But so Austin Reeves, he's got the Austin Reeves one and comes in this, this box. Looks like it's got a signature on it. Kind of cool. I liked it. Um, also says Austin Reeves one on here, but I'll tell you the thing that that I liked the most about the box itself is there's a little inscription here, a little quote on the box that says "Control what you can, confront what you can't," and I just thought that was a really nice touch. Again, I'm not into the shoe game or anything like that, but I thought that was a nice touch in terms of put on a box, just kind of something that makes sense for a guy who went undrafted. Um, by the way, big shout out to Kicks Crew for hooking us up with these. So we can show these off. But here is the Austin Reeves one. This is in the Laker colorway. So everybody can see. Uh, I really dug that they did purple and gold with these. Now, when I saw the initial concept for these, I was a little bit unsure about, first of all, the target that's on the tongue there, which I'm still not too, too sure about that, honestly. But I love the colors. And the target right here, on the side here, this is the one that, again, I was unsure about. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But then I was really surprised and pleasantly surprised when I actually picked up the shoe. It's almost like if you've ever felt a koosh ball from back in the day, we used to have those. That's what it feels like. It's not, it's got texture to it. This isn't just flat against the shoe, which I thought was, was kind of cool. And then I also like this. I, di I didn't realize this was actually on it, but on the side, it also says, I'm him which again is absolutely fantastic. Then you've got Austin's Austin's logo on the back. Pretty cool stuff. So again, Kicks crew hooked us up with these. Thought they were pretty cool. Wanted to uh wanted to show them off to Lakers Nation so you guys could get a look and uh and see what they're all about. So again, this is the new Austin Reeves AR1. Sean, you're more of a shoe guy than I am. Give me give me your thoughts. And I'm not that much of a shoe guy myself. But yeah, well, <laughs> I, know. I know. I know low bar to clear though to be low more bar. of a shoe guy than me. I like them personally. I do agree with like I'm like shaky on the the target on the tongue, uh -huh. but I really dig the target on the side. That one I love. Right? Did you 
did you know that it was like a it was a different material that it's kind of like almost a, a spongy material? No, I didn't. The fact that it is a different material makes it even better. Yeah, it's kind of uh, cool. Yeah, I, I dig the shoe. I think we've seen them. We've seen them play it, play in these mm -hmm. a ton, if not every game. And yeah, those look sick. I may cop one, you know, uh, for my high school team. We have the same exact colors. So oh, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be wearing these. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Anyway, once again, thanks to Kicks Group for uh, for hooking us up with those. And thought that Lakers Nation may want to see them, and we do a little shoe unboxing there. All right, we do need to get into the mailbag. Uh, before we get there, though, let's do a quick shout-out here to one of our sponsors, and that is Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports, also the fastest-growing fantasy app in the industry. Uh, they have a great pick -em game where all you have to do is pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You could do tonight's game, Lakers-Jazz. You could do that. Um, it's very, very simple. And that's one of the things that I like. Super easy to just jump on the Underdog app, pick higher, lower, off you go. You can combine two players. You can combine five players. And obviously that changes uh, all the, the math behind it and everything else. But it's a very, very easy and very fun game to go play. And it creates a little bit of extra buy-in while you're, while you're watching the game as well. So it's a blast. You guys can sign up using our promo code LakersNation and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with promo code LakersNation to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, Sean, let's let's get into the mailbag here. So yes, these are a lot of comments coming in from uh, the post game of Lakers versus Rockets, and I thought there were some good topics in here. So we'll go through here rapid fire style, and uh, and John Drake starts off. We just talked a lot about him, so we don't have to uh, have to rehash this, but. Uh, but did send in a super chat. Vando, hurry back. Torian Prince goes to the bench. Again, we did just discuss that. Joe said, much better job on the boards despite horrible shooting. The only thing Ham manages worse than timeouts are his challenges. Could have cost us the game. That was a bad challenge in the first half. Um, the rule was, and I forgot it on the fly even, if you get two challenges, but you only get a second challenge if you win the first. So Darvin needed to be really convinced that he was going to win that first challenge where it was an, uh, a charge on Anthony Davis. And um, it it was not convincing. It didn't look like a clear-cut play. I know he didn't want a third foul on AD, but then it prevented him from being able to, to challenge Anthony Davis's sixth foul. Unfortunately, that didn't cost the Lakers because, yeah, that was that was a mistake to, to challenge that first one because it ultimately cost you the second one and maybe could have cost you the game because as soon as AD went out, the Rockets just went straight to Sangoon and the Lakers didn't have anybody who could deal with them. Yeah. Um, outside of that challenge call, I thought that was a really good game from Darvin and Co. Personally. From a schematic standpoint, I thought that was a really solid game from the coaching staff. So very, very curious to see the game plan they put together from Utah. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm in an even happier mood or I'm even more pissed off. Um following that jazz game 
Uh, Johnny Kilroy said, I think the issue with the team is they're being too unselfish. We have a lot of guys who are good scorers and they have to find balance between selfish and unselfish. Trevor, what are your thoughts? That's actually something that Austin I think. Reeves. Yes, I was just, it's Austin, right? Like, I think he needs to be a little more aggressive finding a shot, particularly when he gets in pick and roll situations because teams are playing him to pass. He needs to be a little more aggressive shooting the ball in those situations, and that's going to open up the pass. Uh, is there something? What about the rest of the team, though? Is there something to that that we think they're being too unselfish? No, not necessarily. I, I love Delo's balance in terms of I think for the most part he has good balance and timing in terms of when to take his shot. I think Delo maybe in, in terms of I was more so talking with that in terms of on ball Delo off ball Delo like me it's a, a swing pass sometimes so do the shot fake instead of just shooting it uh -huh. sometimes but. I, I think I think this team does a good job of, for the most part, you know, having solid balance. And like I said, I think really this comments directed towards Austin. I think in terms of who needs to find balance, yeah, Austin Reeves is easily the first guy that comes to my mind. Yeah, agreed, agreed. DJ said AD and LeBron put the team on their back. Games would not be so close if we would hit close to thirty six percent league average. Absolutely. Why yeah. so inconsistent with our shooting? What can we do to be more steady behind the arc? I, some I, whatever it takes, erase the curse somehow. Somehow, right? I, I don't know what it is, what what they have to do because for whatever reason, whenever guys are good shooters, they tend to come to the Lakers and then don't shoot so well anymore. Um, again, we have seen players in the past that have shot well as Lakers, but. Yeah, this team is this team is struggling more than I would have expected them to shooting the ball. I didn't expect them to be a great three point shooting team, but they're still struggling a bit. So, uh, especially that Rockets game that was was brutal. Hopefully, there's a bounce back uh, soon, maybe tonight against against Utah. But I, I think three point shooting is inherently inconsistent. But also, like LeBron is shooting incredibly well from three. Like LeBron is a 40% three-point shooter this season, and yet the Lakers still aren't a good three-point shooting team. And I think a lot of that comes down to Austin and D'Lo are not quite shooting as highly from three as we expected them to. And But I don't know. Like, Is there something that can be done to improve consistency there? I mean, I think it's just generating good looks. Right now the Lakers sit 25th in the NBA, 26th. In the NBA, in three-point percentage at thirty-three point eight, um, not necessarily. I think the Lakers—they're doing a really good job, at least in that Rockets game of generating mm -hmm. open looks. I thought, and they missed a ton. Torian's missed so many just point-blank shots. Christian Wide Wood, uh, Cam Reddish, and yeah, I mean the curse is real, Trevor. Uh, we're gonna play a quick game here. Yeah, some Laker trivia, Trevor. Ooh. When was the last time the Lakers finished in the top 20? So the bar is low. Top oh 20 in three-point percentage. Well, based on the fact that this is even a, a game, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was like, oh gosh. I'm gonna say it was something like like 2010 or something ridiculous like that. No, it's not that bad. Okay. I I was going, I was going to the extreme. Okay, let's say. 2016? Uh, no, a little too late. 2014, 15. 2014, 2015. And that was not a good season. No. 
Now, ironically, the next question would have been, what was the last time they were a top 10 unit? But somehow the 13-14 team, so this is post-Kobe Achilles team, was third in the NBA in three-point percentage. Wow. And nobody would think of that because that team was nobody would think of that was team. so bad. Right. Okay. Man. Yeah, they yeah. have they have really so okay. Maybe this Lakers curse thing, if they've been that bad shooting through they haven't even been top 20. What was it? 2015? So, so we're talking nine years now that the Lakers have been in the bottom third of the NBA in three points. This will be your season 10 because Braun's been in LA for five years now. Yeah. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, this is uh okay, I'm tripping. Sorry. Keep so, please continue. So that's a long time to be in the bottom third of the NBA in three point shooting. So maybe this curse thing has something to it. How do you how do you exercise a three point shooting curse? I, I don't even know. What, do, what is it? What is it that you that I, you I, do? I would, I would say you go get like Steph Curry or whatever, but I mean Steph would just go from shooting forty percent from three or whatever, come here and shoot twenty two percent from three. There has to be some like I, I don't know some kind of offering that you can give uh, to to the three point shooting gods or or something like that. Maybe you cut the nets down and you you, you burn them at, at, at half court or something. I don't know. Somehow, somehow this curse needs to be needs to be lifted. Um, someone calls Sam and Dean Winchester because somehow ghosts are preventing are preventing the Lakers from being able to shoot the three. I'm convinced but the curse. It must be real. If it's been that long, it must actually be a real thing. The Lakers, this 13, 14 season, the, the top three team or whatever in three point shooting somehow, uh, their top eight players in terms of three point attempts, which I mean, it's Jody Meeks, Nick Young, Wesley Johnson, Kendall Marshall, Jordan Farmer, Ryan Kelly, Steve Blake, and Sean Williams, right? Those eight dudes, only two of those guys did not shoot at least 37% from three. So everybody else, all those dudes took at least 129 threes, and only two of them well, did not shoot at least technically 36.9% by rounding up to get Yikes. to 37%. Somebody call Swaggy P. Clearly. Jody Meeks, what you doing, buddy? That's the solution. Yep. Uh, John Drake said, would you take Drummond over Wood and Hayes? Hayes, yeah. I don't know if I'd take him over Wood. Yeah, that's that's where I'd fall as well. Johnny said, obviously coming off a tough game and bad shooting stretch from Prince, if Ham decides he wants to keep Reddish in the starting lineup, should Rui start? Bad first quarters continue to plague the team. So I got that question a little bit. Rui was, I think, 0 for 4 from 3 against the Rockets. So it's not like he shot lights out from deep, even as Torian really struggled. Torian was like 1 for 11 in the game. But I've had a lot of people saying that that should be the change anyway. I mean, even, even before the game where Prince was 1 for 11, was that maybe, maybe you put Rui in the starting lineup. I thought Darvin handled it well in that he just fed more minutes to Rui, who I thought was making a good impact on the in the passing lanes against Houston. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see the same thing against Utah, although Torian is a bit better equipped to, to chase on the perimeter, which may be more of a necessity against the Jazz. 
So that's that's something that I, I think that you have to consider. But I also think that there's something to just letting a guy that you know is historically a good three-point shooter, letting him shoot his way out of a slump. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. Right? A slump isn't going to get broken somehow by not by not shooting shots. We saw KCP do it years ago, who was awful for what felt like an eternity and eventually shot his way out of it. So now the what guy do you think? Just doesn't miss shots of him, especially when you play the Lakers now. Um, this was something I, I legitimately was tossing around in my head when we were talking about the Cam Reddish. Does he start even when Vando gets back? Because I think this is a fun way to maybe try and negate the, um, well, the stuff with Vando and, and things like that be, okay, cool, Cam can still start, but now we're still going to have some offensive punch here. And Rui, again, like I said, I think he's made marginal improvements defensively, right? So you still have his size and like his activity off the ball in the passing lanes combined with Anthony Davis at the rim, Cam Reddish as an on-ball pest, Braun as a helper. That's maybe a problem, though, because Braun and Rui as helpers on the floor defensively is kind of weird. So um, I, I, I definitely tossed around with this idea in my head for sure, and it's definitely something I think the Lakers are going to have to play around with at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to this one. Gian Mercado said, Braun almost ruined my birthday with that missed free throw. Oh, that was so stressful. Yes. Sean, that, that game against the Rockets, that was stressful. I'm so glad the Lakers won it. Would you uh, believe said, me if I said I never thought we were losing that game? Like, throughout the entire game, I never thought we were losing it. Even when it was tied? Even like, when I, it was, wait, when? Which tie? When, towards the end, when the, the Rockets tied it up. I think it was like a Fred Van Vliet three or something. Okay. Uh, no, I think the only time like even like a little bit of doubt crept in was in 80 got fouled out. And I think the Lakers went right down and scored. That was like the, okay, we're, we're fine. Still Laker the, the Austin three, maybe that might've been the yeah. possession or maybe it was the possession before that, but sorry, go, go on. So, um, this is, I was, I was nervous at a few points. I felt like the Lakers were Lakers should win the game. But you just never know with this team at this point. So, and knowing how important, like knowing how important that win was for them too, just in terms of the standings in the West and all that, taking advantage of a game that you should win, plus all the minutes on LeBron, it felt like there was a lot riding on that. I mean, you played LeBron forty minutes. If you don't get the win there, that feels really, really bad. And so, while I felt throughout the game like the energy of the game said the Lakers should win. When it was close at the end there, I, I was I was worried, I'll admit. Fair. Singoon's awesome, by the way. He is. He is. He just kills the Lakers. Um, super dope hip hop says LeBron never ceases to amaze me. Top 10 MVP candidate in year 21. Master lock non-Bron or AR players. Two for 21 on threes with many wide open threes. Need this AD mindset on offense. I love the fact that the Lakers came out at halftime and said, yeah, I don't think anybody on Houston can guard you. And the Lakers had nine post-up scoring possessions in the third quarter, and they either scored or got fouled on every single one of them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a pretty good basketball. And who was your master lock for that, for the game? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think I did the three-point shooting as the master lock for that game. 
But no, my my original my master lock I think went to the poor guy who looked I don't know if he did or not I haven't seen an update but he looked like he tore his Achilles shooting the the half court shot in between quarters. Yeah, that was that was awful. That was I, I felt for the guy. Wait, what and I mean, master locks. For? Oh my goodness! No, he was getting like the 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 sympathy there that uh, master locking the injury gods, the injury bug or whatever for, for being put in that situation. I know yeah, the, the guys, the guy's on the ground. He's, he's in pain toward Achilles and you come in and master lock him, hit him with a steel chair, spray paint NWO on his back. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Jeez. I know I'm mixing, I'm mixing two things that was master lock and NWO, but nonetheless, I didn't do that. Oh, geez. Uh, Daniel says, I don't get why it's bad that LeBron carries us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it that he's 40, but we got to recognize that he's still a top 10 player. So if a top 10 player does top 10 player stuff, I'm not going to be necessarily mad at it. I, I think the top five player, I'm sorry. The, the problem is that this team was built so LeBron doesn't have to do this, right? I mean, the, look at the wing depth. You look at the the fact that they focused in on bringing back guys who can score and do all these like that was that was clearly part of the construction of this roster was sure. so that LeBron wouldn't have to do this so that things don't fall apart when LeBron goes out and so far that hasn't been the case so far LeBron James goes out and things fall apart so that's the that's the issue with it if LeBron carried the Lakers in a game or two or whatever but in a lot of games. The, the Lakers themselves, the Lakers could kind of the rest of the team could still be productive in their own right, then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an issue. It's a if LeBron doesn't carry us, we're not winning. That's where it, it becomes a concern. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. That's reasonable as the young hip kids would say. <laughs> that's what they say is that's reasonable. The young that's hip reasonable. kids. So like if you had said um, you know, Lakers. So Darvin Ham has a bad coaching game, and you know, mismanages his timeouts. And you say, "Yeah, you know, the chat seems pretty pissed off at Darvin tonight." That's reasonable. All right, I, I guess for a while there in like podcast verbiage, what I heard a lot of is that's fair. Oh, that's so still becoming, I use that. Oh, yeah, and I do it too sometimes. But but that was just very common across a lot of podcasts. People would say that's fair. Now it's. It, that's reasonable. Okay. All right. That's reasonable. Old, speaking of old, old Mike said, Hey, Lakers Nation. Uh, what a game. I enjoyed every quarter all the way from New Zealand. I always loved international fans coming in. Lakers Nation is worldwide. Welcome in, Mike. Uh, Mood Music said, D'Lo always makes me nervous when he has to defend. Who are you more nervous defending right now? Uh, Austin or D'Lo? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, right now it's still probably Austin. I'm not gonna lie. Or I don't know still, but I think right now it is Austin. I think the fact that Austin isn't screen navigating at a high level is really hurting him where D'Lo is just super, or he's been at least, he's been way more active with his hands, getting more deflections, and he's able to use his length to contest shots at times even a little bit better than Austin. So right now I think I'm probably more worried about Austin's defense. Um, all right. I I would agree. I think D'Lo has done some things with those super long arms in the last few right. games. Those extendo arms, as you'll call them. Extendo arms. Go, go, gadget. Heather Stanberg said, or Strandberg said, I was at the game, and the guy who took the half-court shot at halftime fell and looked like he broke his leg. He was carried off by ushers. Oh, he actually got carried off. See, I didn't know that. I I haven't seen an update on what happened to him. I hope he's all right. Yeah, that definitely looked bad. Mac Daddy Connor. That's quite a name. Said 18 teams played... Only three players scored over 35. LeBron, KD, Lowry Markkinen. And the still undisputed GOAT, LeBron James. Unreal. He's doing unreal stuff right now. Oh, Olivia Campbell said, Master Lock, the guy who posted trade Austin Reeves for Dylan Brooks. No, did someone really post that? Jeez. Yikes. Jay Delgado, Rockets rested in LA while the Lakers had to travel. Well, clearly the Rockets somehow avoided the LA nightlife because they, they gave the Lakers a run. John said, it's frustrating watching Reeves and D'Lo unable to feed the post. Lakers are 10 times better when Braun runs point. I mean, part of it is passing yeah. angles. LeBron is significantly taller. And so that gives him better. And he's just, he's also one of the best passers in the league. So that's certainly part of it too. Right. But passing into the post has become more difficult as time has gone on. It's not like it used to be when all you had to do was throw the ball to the wing and then entry pass into the post like Shaq's day. Um, it's not like that anymore. And so because of that, and also because teams don't do it as much, the entry pass into the post has become something of a lost art form. Yeah, And it is frustrating when, when they need to get the ball to AD to see guys incapable of doing it. Now, some of it, though, falls on AD for not sealing properly or the Lakers for not being inventive enough with getting the ball. You know the double comes right after he gets the ball, too. So that's a challenge the Lakers have to deal with. But Gone are the days of the triangle offense, get the ball to the wing, into Shaq, cut off of that, Shaq powers through and dunks. It's just that's that's not the way the NBA works anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, for the Lakers at least. Cuddy said, even though the role players didn't show up tonight, we're getting some momentum in the win column. Got to keep it up and continue to defend home at all costs. 
I think I tweeted this out after the after the win. The Lakers shot what twenty percent from three, and we're only at twenty percent because Austin hits the last three, right? And the Lakers won by one, but literally, if you add up the Lakers getting a thirty percent even, right? So just ten more percent. This is a way more comfortable game, and we're talking a lot more positively. I feel like about that game where I thought there were still a good chunk of like negative discourse because the Lakers won by one. They won at the butt at on a final play or whatever. And you add on top of that, the shooting and stuff like that, where you shoot league average and this is a blowout. Right. So I don't know, man, I, I do agree. I think the fact that you're able to win these games while shooting horrendous from three is only the sign of a potentially good ball club because you have other stuff to turn to, and it's not like these are tough shots. Like these are open threes that they're missing right now from good shooters or previously good shooters at the very least. And hopefully they'll they'll knock those down. Ham needs to stop subbing Braun and AD at the same time. Yes, yeah, that, please. Good. Those grief. lineups have been rough. Those have been rough for sure. Um, let's see. Old Mike said, "Cam Reddish in all caps." I agree. He was my spark plug of the game winner for post-game show. John Braun at 40 is still getting the other team's best perimeter defender. Go get DeMar. I know you're a big proponent of getting DeMar DeRozan, Sean. Yeah. I'm a fan. I was throwing out some puns on the show. So Mission 86 said it's no fun to pun without none. I don't know. I think it's more fun without, without Kendrick Nunn. But have you seen how many people are were so concerned about the Kendrick Nunn thing? Everybody is is that is in our minds when there's any update on Gabe Vincent. Oh my gosh. Everybody's oh my gosh, it's it's Kendrick Nunn all over again. He's a better player than Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, but it, I we we better not wind up there. Yeah. I don't think we will, but we better not. Uh felt like the team really needs a true big. Yeah, I think they could use one more big. What what do you think is the if you could put any particular skill set? In the fifteenth roster spot, what are you what are you adding to this team? Um, as a specialist, probably. Yeah, that might be a hot take, but I think I'm just going to go get a specialist. Like if Matt Ryan somehow, ironically, was available, I would pick up Matt Ryan in a heartbeat. But yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, if you win another, I mean, just like how many like actual bigs are left too? That's another problem you're gonna run into. And uh, no, I don't want to hear Demarcus Cousins or Dwight Howard being listed. Uh, Dante says, Trevor, sorry, but Delo isn't working. Twenty-four minutes, four points and two assists, one sick, one sequence. He missed three back-to-back threes. Delo needs to be traded. This is one bad Delo game. He's been your most consistent, that's the word I'm going to use, your most consistent playmaker the entire year because Braun is the best playmaker still, right? But D'Lo is the guy that's not really turning the ball over a ton, being a floor general mm-hmm. and genuinely like shooting really, really well. He didn't shoot it well that game. And ironically, I think it, might, it was either you or me that said this on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. That when D'Lo has a bad shooting game, it's a really bad shooting game, right? Yeah. But he's a good basketball player. I'm not just trading D'Lo for anything, man. 
okay, the three games before that, right? Because you're saying D'Lo isn't just isn't working. D'Lo against Portland, 14 and 6, 50% from the field, 57% from three. Against Sacramento, 28 points, five assists, five boards, a block, 67% from three, 60% from the field. Against Memphis, 67% from the field, 75% from three on eight attempts, five assists, 24 points. Like he was due to cool off at, at some point and not shoot nearly as well. Just that's that's D'Lo. But you've got three great, highly efficient games out of him, one right after another. You knew that at some point there would there would be a drop-off. There had to be. He's Even- not he's it's not shooting that well every single game forever. Even the two games to take it a step further before that, he had a double-double against Portland. And then the game before that, he has 19 points and nine assists uh, and in one turnover in the Suns win. So, like, mm-hmm. D'Lo has been really, really good this season. I'm not trading D'Lo or I'm not, like, basing my point for trading D'Lo off of this one game personally. And he still had three steals. He was super active defensively. He's, he's he's working, man. I've 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 really enjoyed the D'Angelo Russell experience this season. Yeah, uh, I, I have too. Avi B says, by the way, Alex Caruso shooting sixty two percent from the field, fifty mm-hmm. percent from three, and shut KD down last week. Wow. Yeah, frustrating. Super dope hip hop. Watching Austin Reeves and D'Lo on defense makes me so angry. Lakers let Alex Caruso and KCP go. For no reason to go get Russell Westbrook and to save tax dollars. It's why when I look at this Lakers team and I think about what skill set I would really add, I do. I think a three and D guard might be might be it. Particularly if he's a if they're really a strong three point shooter. That that may be, and I know they need a big, but yeah. Ben said, "Master Lock Ramona for tweeting Achilles with a question mark while I was putting my son to bed, sprinting back to the TV, fearing the worst. Feel bad for the fan, though. He was talking about she tweeted that about the fan who, um, who between quarters hurt himself, but didn't specify. And so, if you got notifications on, I, I guess I could see where that would scare people. Oh man, I, I only have notifications on for a few people, so thankfully I didn't get that tweet. Thank God." Thank God. Imagine, oh my goodness. Imagine if Shams tweets that out. Achilles, question mark, question mark, during the Lakers game. Bro, Mm -hmm. Twitter is crashing. Oh, would have gone, would have gone crazy. Johnny said, Trevor, why is everyone crazy about Levine? He's never won anything other than the dunk contest. Even that's debatable. He's not that good. Focus on Caruso. I think I accidentally answered this question on the post post game show. So I'm going to give you this one. Okay, well, I mean, we we kind of talked about Levine already, but why are, are people crazy about him? Well, it's because we see this team struggle to score in the half court at times, and you think Levine could uh, do something there. It's also the shiny new toy effect, right? You hear, oh, Lakers could trade for a guy whose name we know, who's pretty good, and you know we've heard some, and it's exciting and all of that. That's going to you know drum up interest and everything. But um, look, Zach Levine is a good player. But you got to think, too, about is it is he worth what it's going to cost to get him, including the opportunity cost that you're paying by going and getting him? It's, and that's where I, I still think you need to be careful. I'm not necessarily against it either. I just think if you're going to go for, for Levine, it's, man, it's got to be the right deal because I'm not sold that he's the cure-all for what ails this team. 
Yeah. And then, like I said, you got to be semi ready to, you know, make this a long term thing. So that's all something else you have to, to consider. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. We do have Lakers jazz tonight. Come join us over on playback.tv slash Lakers nation. Watch the game, hang out with us. Let's hope the Lakers can get a win and continue their perfect record in tournament play. Going to be paying a lot of attention to the glass in this one, but Lakers nation again, thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and don't forget to give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.